would look at this scripture just as we start tonight. Um, and I've got a handout for you. I'll hand out in just a moment. But um, let's look in uh, Hebrews chapter five, verse eleven. And uh, this was this was Paul here talking to the church, and he said this. He says, "Of whom we we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing." For when for the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are becoming such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And then this verse is the one that jumped out at me, verse 13. It says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And, and I, I remember when I read that, that passage sometime back, um, that phrase where it said that uh, it said that they're unskilled in the word of righteousness just jumped off the page at me, and the and what the Holy Spirit spoke to me was this: if you can be unskilled in the word of righteousness, that means you can also be skilled in it. And you know, if if just because they said that you know he, he said that you know you ought to he said you should be instructors yourself, but you're still babes, you're still you know having somebody to teach you these things. So it got me thinking, and, and, I, and, and you remember, we, we've been through this, well, I guess it's been a couple months now. But we started asking questions like, uh, like, what does it mean to be saved? You know, like if you were to just go ask somebody on the street, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean when, when you think of the, the term, you know, I'm saved, what does that mean for you? And most people would have, uh, and, pro- and still would for the majority of people, their answer would probably be something very generic like, well, I'm on my way to heaven. Well, that's a true statement. You know, thank God for that. If that's all there was to salvation, that would be enough to rejoice about. But, but we know that there's so much more to salvation than just getting our ticket punched to heaven, so to speak. And unfortunately, most of the church, the, the church body as a whole, um, we miss out on so much because we're just, uh, you know, well, for a better term, probably I, I, I can say a nice way to say it would just because just say we miss out on so much just because we're ignorant. We just don't know. We you know whether whether we've never been taught or whether we just haven't taken the time to study it. But you know, there's so much more to salvation than just being saved. So for a couple of weeks, we looked at that. We looked at um, you know we we looked at what it meant to be saved. What does that word mean, and how does that look? We looked at things like. Uh, why the virgin birth is important. We looked at things like the cross. We just finished uh, three or four weeks talking about the cross and what happened from the cross to the throne. And, um, you know, and, and just it's very interesting stuff. I find it interesting anyway. And I know that the discussion we had last week was very interesting. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have said that they never heard some of those things taught. And, you know, so if we don't know it, then, man, we're, you know, how are we going to take advantage of it? And how are we going to walk in these things? So tonight, uh, I want to I want to talk to you about, and we'll probably make, probably this week and probably next week. I don't know how many how far this will go, but but I want to talk to you tonight about righteousness. So let me ask this question, and and you guys know I won't embarrass you, or I won't you know necessarily correct you, but uh, if if you give it wrong answers, don't don't worry about that. But but when you think of righteousness, what do you think of? Anybody? Just, just right off. If somebody were to ask you, what does it mean to be righteous? Christ, Christ in me. Okay, good. Glory. Right standing with God. Right standing with God. Good. All right. 
precious. All right, Paul. The ability to go in the presence of God, that's good. Good. I mean, all those are right. I mean, that's good. Now, let me ask you this. <clears throat> and uh, um, how are we, you know, how do you become righteous? By accepting Jesus is His righteousness. That's good. Are you, uh, are you righteous even when you sin? Yep. And and the and let me just I'll, I'll throw this out there. We're going to look at most of these things, but but why are you still righteous when you sin? Why why is that? You know, because because some people, if you walked in most churches and asked them the question, question, how many righteous people do we have in here? Most people probably wouldn't raise their hand. You know, because they would think, well, man, you don't know what I did. You know, last week, you don't know what I did last night. You know, but but why why is it that we're that even even if you do sin? You're still righteous. Why is that, Paul? That's right. Good, Miss Betty. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Good. All right. How, um, okay. Good. And 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 you know and 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 I think I already asked this question, but how do you become righteous? You know, and, and by accepting Jesus, but but is it is it based on? Well, let me ask you this: Is there more than one type of righteousness? Anybody know what different types of righteousness? All right, there's a works righteousness, and then there's the the righteousness by faith or the God kind of righteousness. And see, so if you don't know that, and we're going to look at some scriptures tonight that where where very plainly they said that people missed it because simply because they were trying to be righteous by their works. You know, they tried. They were trying to do something to become righteous. So, um, so y'all did good. I'm proud of y'all. Y'all studied your Bibles. I'm proud of you. All right. So I got uh, I got a handout here, uh, Stephen. If you could, if you don't mind to help me, sir, I appreciate that. So I've got one in my thing there. I'm sorry. All right. So let's open up to. Um, well, I'll wait till you get the. I'll wait till you get your handout there. I've tried to uh, condense this as much as I could for the sake of, um, so I wouldn't have to give you three or four papers. So righteousness. What is righteousness? Let's look. Um, and I love this first, the first definition I put here. And I can't remember really, to be honest with you, where, who I heard say this. I don't. I think it maybe in Jim Richards, or I, I can't remember who I heard say this one time. But, but I've always loved this this definition of righteousness. And it's this: the ability to stand in the presence of the Father without the sense of guilt or inferiority, as if sin never existed. Man, that's powerful. The abil- righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of the Father without the sense of without a sense of guilt or inferiority, as if sin never existed. Uh, like if you look it up in Webster's or just a, a dictionary, it might say right standing with God or uprightness, justified, a good position with God. Those are all um, definitions you'll find. Second um, Corinthians five twenty one is probably the 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 scripture that everybody knows about this. And it says this, the King James, 2 Corinthians 5.21 there, 
says, for he, for he, talking about God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I went ahead and put the Amplified in message down there because these are important. The Amplified says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and accepted, acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Amen. That's good. And then the message translation puts it this way. The message translation says, God put on him the wrong who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. You know, so the first thing we have to understand about righteousness is this, and, and many of you said this in the different answers. The first thing you have to understand about righteousness is it's not anything that you do. Righteousness is all about what Jesus did on the cross for us. God put sin on him so that we, so that you and I could be made righteous. Being that God made us righteous, that means there's nothing we can do to undo that righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't act unrighteous. But even when you act unrighteous, and we'll see this scripture later on tonight, even when you act unrighteous, it doesn't say you have to become righteous again. You know, and you'll see this. So, so our understanding of righteousness is, is, a, is, a, is a mindset that we have to get into to where we understand that in God's eyes, when God sees us, He sees us as righteous. Because, uh, I think Miss Betty said it, or Paul, somebody, because, you know, because the reality is our spirit man is perfect. Our spirit man is totally righteous. Our flesh, now we can do some crazy things in our flesh. And we can let the flesh do some unrighteous things and, and act unrighteously and say some unrighteous things at times. We shouldn't, but we, we, allow, we allow that to do that, the flesh to do that. But our spirit man on the inside of us, the real you, now we, remember we've, we've seen that the last, I don't know, three or four times we've looked at that, that we, first and foremost, we are a spirit being. And our spirit man is what, what is recreated at the new birth, and we are perfect. Our spirit man, the Bible says, we are perfect, we're complete in him. We are, we are as righteous, you are as righteous the moment you get saved as you will ever be. I, I mean, you, you can't grow in righteousness. Now, you can grow in a lot of things. You can grow in faith, you can grow, you can even become more holy. You can become more sanctified, you know, in your actions. But one thing you can't, you can never become more of is you'll never be more righteous than you were the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, your actions, you know, that's, that's something totally different. But, but as far as your righteousness, your right standing with God, you are righteous. Period. Amen. Now, the book of Romans um, really goes in-depth in this, and, and really the whole book of Romans, man, you could, we could study that whole book, and it just has so much to say. And I listed about four, four different passages here that I want to look at. So let's look in Romans 3, and uh, we'll just start in verse 20. And I, I want to read these. We'll read it from the, uh, amp, I mean, from the King James first, and then, uh, then Ginger, I'm, I'm probably going to read these from the message as well. <clears throat> So Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Now, 
some of this is going to be kind of uh, uh, technical, so to speak. So you've got to put your thinking hats on, okay? So, so listen to what he said. He said, therefore, by the, uh, this is Romans 3.20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, let me, let me just stop and say this. Sometimes we forget this. Um, when Paul was teaching these things, all, really the whole New Testament, when, Paul was, when he was penning and writing these letters to these churches, this was revolutionary. I mean, they had never heard stuff like this before. You have to remember, their whole life had been about the law. Their whole life had been about sacrifices. Their whole life had been about works. Their whole life had been about, you know, trying to perform to be righteous and trying to, do, trying to keep every one of the laws. When Jesus came, He, he introduced this new, uh, the new covenant, the new, the new way of the things were going to be, and He said, no longer is it going to be by the law, but it's going to be by grace. So this was, I mean, this was like, you know, we read this so casually and we don't think much about it, but this was a total life change. This is almost, it would almost be the difference from, um, from, gosh, I don't even know how to relate. I mean, I don't even know. It'd be the difference of, say, like, say like, uh, like we, we had never had an automobile and we walked everywhere we went, you know, and all of a sudden somebody showed up with a carload of cars, a truckload of cars, and said, now we're not walking anymore, we're riding everywhere. You know, totally different. I mean, it, it's, you know, radical in, in, in how, how we receive everything. You know, that, that probably wasn't a good illustration, but, but you know, it was, it was just something totally different than they had ever experienced before. So when, when, when they were experiencing this, when they were reading this, this was like, you know, this was mind-blowing to them. So Paul, so he, he goes on in verse 22, he goes on to say this, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. So, so Paul said in those two verses, he said, he said but now the, in verse 20, he was talking about how that nobody's going to be justified by works anymore. Verse 21, he says, because now the, the, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So, he's, so Paul was telling him this this new righteousness that I'm talking about is not coming through the law, but it's coming by the faith of God. He says even in verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Now also notice that, that it's not, it's not in faith in Jesus, but it's by faith. By the faith of Jesus. It's not even our own faith. It's His faith. Man, that's pretty awesome. He gives us His faith so we can believe in His righteousness so that you and I can live free. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. And he said, so, so then he said, and he said, uh, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, we all know this verse, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But verse 23 was in connection with verse 22. So he said this, he, what he was saying was this. He said the righteousness of God, he said the way you get righteous now is by faith. It's not how good your works are. He said, listen, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. He said, we're, but we're all the same in the fact that if you believe in Jesus, you are now righteous. You are justified. You're righteous. And then verse 24, he says that, being justified freely 
by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So he's tying, he's, he's showing them that righteousness by faith, apart from the law, is through faith in Jesus, and that's how we're justified. That's how that's how we receive it freely through through the through the redemption of, that is in Jesus Christ. Verse twenty-five, he says, "Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a, a substitute, a sacrifice, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness." For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So he said, he said, listen, here's how this works. When you put your faith in Jesus through the, His redemption, through what He did on the cross for you, He says you become righteous and it's for the forgiveness of sins, of all your sins past and also of any sin that will ever be committed. You become righteous apart from the law the moment you put faith in Jesus Christ. He says, to declare, I say, at this time, verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. And then verse 27 and 28 is important because he says this. So where's the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. So he says, so you can't go around boasting about what you did because the, now the law has been excluded. And the only way you can become righteous is through faith. And he says, therefore, we conclude, verse 28, that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now listen to, uh, <coughs> listen to this from the, the message. And we'll put it up there, uh, verse 21. He's, uh, Paul said this, he says, But in our time something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years, uh, what Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has now happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in Him. There is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and we've proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us then. That's good. Out of sheer generosity, He put us in right standing with Himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by the means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in Him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in, clear, in the clear with Himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins that He had so patiently endured. This is not only clear... But it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in His rightness. Man, that's good. So where does this leave our, our proud Jewish inside claims and counterclaims? Canceled. Yes, canceled. What, we, what we've learned is this. Now listen to this. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God, 
and all others by letting Him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. Man, isn't that good? So, so he said here, this was, like I said, this was revolutionary to them. He said, he said no longer do we, do we get into right standing with God through the law or by what we do. He said it's all by what Jesus does now and just simply by having faith in Him. Now, you skip down to chapter 4, and, and of course, because I'm sure in their minds, probably the first thing they thought of was Abraham. <laughs> you know I mean? The father of faith, what we call the father of faith. So, so Paul goes into Abraham. He says this, chapter 4. He says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? In other words, you know, so, so why did Abraham... Because, because we, we, you know, we probably could say that if anybody had good works, it probably would have been Abraham. I mean, Abraham worked hard, and Abraham, you know, did a lot. So, but verse 2, he goes on to say this, For if Abraham was justified by his works, he hath wherefore to glory, but not before God. In other words, he said if, he said if Abraham had been justified by his works, he could boast about it. Abraham could go around saying, well, look at me, I did, I did all this right stuff, I did all this good stuff, and that's why I'm righteous. But he says, for what, for what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You could, you could say it this way. You know, if you, you go to your job and you work 40 hours a week, and at the end of the week you get a paycheck. Well, when you get that paycheck, you don't go up to the boss and say, man, thank, thank you so much for paying me. Thank you so much for this money. I can't believe, I can't believe you would give me this money. I can't, this is unreal. This is crazy. No, you would go, you'd probably go up to him and say, I wish you'd give me more money. I wish you'd give me a raise. I wish, you know, I wish I had more money in my paycheck. Why? Because you worked 40 hours, you worked however many hours, and you, you are expecting pay. But here he said this. He said, listen, Abraham, he said, he said you know, he said Abraham was not, was not counted righteous because he worked. He said, it's said in the Scripture that Abraham believed God and he was counted to righteousness. And, he, and so he says, you know, if you work for it, then it's something that, owed, that is owed to you. But if you don't work and, and God still gives it to you, then it's by grace. And that's what this righteousness is. That it's not what we do, it's what He's done. It's kind of like somebody else doing the job and still paying you for it. <laughs> you know, that's good. That's a, that's a good, that's a good scenario there. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's get through these pretty quick so we can uh, have time to get to the back page here, the back side. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. <clears throat> and we, we know this, this whole chapter 5 talks about, you know, how because of one man's sin, because of one man's disobedient sin entered into the world. And, um, but here in verse 17 he says this, For if by one man's offense death has reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that just like because, because of what Adam did, one, that, because of what Adam did, sin reigned all that time. 
He said, now because of what Jesus did, this free gift of righteousness flows just like sin did when Adam, when Adam missed the mark. Now that Jesus obeyed, Adam disobeyed, and sin flowed, Jesus obeyed, and because of that, it offered us the free gift of righteousness. So righteousness is a gift. It's not something that we do. You don't work for a gift. You know, at the end of the week, at the end, on your paycheck, your paycheck's not a gift. Amen. It's, it's owed you. Now, if they give you a bonus or give you a gift on top of your paycheck, that's different. But here, what he's saying is this, that we don't work to become righteous, but it is a, the gift of the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, turn to Romans chapter 10. And actually, we'll start in chapter 9, uh, verse 30. I didn't put that down there, but Romans chapter 9, verse 30. <clears throat> and I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here, but, but we're building the case here for righteousness. Romans chapter 9, verse 30 says this, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles... Now, that word Gentiles is um, a word for like an... Uh, what we would... In, in, for us today, it would be like a non-believer. I mean, you know, a Gentile is not, not part of Israel. It's their, uh, you know, the, the, everybody thought the Gentiles were uh, an excluded class. You know, they didn't get included in things. So, Paul, so Paul's getting ready to really, he, he's getting ready to really smack the Jewish people in the head here and, and in the face because listen to what he said. He says, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, they have now attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, how come? Because they saw it, because Israel sought it not by faith, but as it is written, by the work, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling block. So here Paul calls righteousness a stumbling block to Israel. And actually it was Jesus was the stumbling block, is what the stumbling block was to Israel. But notice he said this. He said, he said, he said the Gentiles who, who were really excluded from the covenant to begin with, he said they didn't even go after righteousness, and now they've been brought into righteousness by faith. And he says, but Israel, who the promise was for to begin with, and, they, and he said they sought after righteousness. They didn't get it because they tried to get it through works. Now, because you understand, when Jesus came, Israel rejected him. And because Israel rejected him, that's when God opened the door for the Gentiles. And, and that's when, when God, God sent the, uh, 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 Peter... Or sent, uh, uh, yeah, Peter, he sent Peter to the Gentiles and, and, and opened up the door to the Gentiles. And thank God he did that because that included us. And see, we weren't part of the original plan. We were not God's original chosen people. Israel was. But Israel rejected him. Remember, Jesus told the, told the uh, religious people there, he said, you study the Scriptures day and night looking for the Messiah. And he said, you're missing him. He's right in front of you. He said, you, you memorize the Scripture. You know it by heart. But yet you miss who the Scripture's talking about. So the door was open to the Gentiles. So here Paul was just, Paul just smacked them upside the head and said, said y'all were so stupid that you missed, you missed out on this and you, know, you, you hadn't received the righteousness. And still to this day, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. 
You know, they still don't see this. So then he goes on to chapter 10. Let's go on and read a couple verses in chapter 10. Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record... Not that they, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So there you see the two different types of righteousness. He says that, he said that they have, they've been ignorant of God's righteousness and they've went about trying to establish their own righteousness. And because of that, he said, they've, they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, so he said, you know, listen, if you believe in Jesus, then there's no more having to be sad at having to get righteous by, by, the, by the works, by works of the law. If you believe in Jesus, you are, you are righteous. I put on here... Um, I put on here that righteousness by faith is kind of like being born into your family. You know, I was born into the Braswell family. I didn't do anything to get that name. I had no, I didn't, I didn't, you know, tell them I wanted to be called Stephen. I didn't tell them I wanted to be called, you know, my last name to be Braswell. I was born into the family. So when I got old enough to understand, guess what? I was a Braswell. Right? And it's kind of the same way with righteousness. When you, when you believe in Jesus, you are made righteous. You are righteous. It's not that we have a say so over it. It's not that not that we try to we have to try to convince God that to make us righteous. When you get born into the family, you are righteous. Amen. The reason and listen to this, the reason that we do not see the results that Jesus did is because we lack that fearless confidence that Jesus had. It came out of his understanding of who he was in relationship to the Father. We have that same relationship today if we, could, if we would only act on it. Amen. So how do we act on that? Let's look, let's look at this here in the closing minutes here. So how do we act on it? It is vital that our knowledge be correct concerning the Word of God or we will act and respond wrong. Turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 61. This is the... This is that great chapter where when Jesus went to the went into the temple and, and opened up and started reading, he he opened up the scroll and read from read from this chapter here. But I just want to look down at, at verse number ten just for the sake of tonight. Verse number ten says this Isaiah sixty one ten. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Now listen to these next couple of statements. For He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So God clothes us. When we got born again, in the kind of, we, we say it this way, in the spiritual he clothed us with the robe of righteousness. And that robe is, is pure white. You know, we're told that, from, we're told that in Revelation that, that, we, that we have, uh, we've got white robes of righteousness. Now, so what happens, let me, let's turn over to 1 John, 
1 John, right, right before the book of Revelation, what happens when we miss the mark? What happens when we, uh, when we sin, when we miss the mark? What happens? If we are righteous, and if, we, and if, if we're righteous even when we miss the mark, you know, uh, what does sin do to us? Because the Bible says the Bible says that the wages of sin is still death, right? And I mean, just because now we're learning on Sunday, we we started Sunday, and we'll finish. We'll talk some more about this coming week. The old sin nature is dead, but that doesn't mean that we don't sin, right? Y'all follow me? Because because you know, chances are uh, one or two of us in here may have missed the mark today. You know, maybe or maybe not. I don't know. Y'all may be, y'all may have it down pat. But if you did miss the mark, what happened? What happens when we miss the mark? Let's look at First John chapter one, uh, verse number eight. John said this. He said, "If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." And verse nine says this: If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And then notice this next statement. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, uh, the Amplified says it this way, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just, true to His own nature and promises, and He will forgive our sins, He will dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Everything that is not in conformity to His will and purpose, thought, or action. So notice that it said that He cleanses us. In other words, like if I got something, if, if, I, if I was eating supper tonight and I spilled something on my shirt, I wouldn't just go throw my shirt away. What would I do? I would clean my shirt. Pre-treated. <laughs> pre-treated before you clean it so you don't... See, actually, our robes are pre-treated. That's good. Because sin doesn't leave a mark. Amen. But see, notice what it does. When we now, now listen. When we confess, we don't confess to get God to forgive us of our sins, because our sins are already forgiven. We confess. The reason that confession is still a big part, I believe, in the Christian's life, is the Bible says we confess for our own sake, for our consciousness. Because if we if we have a sin consciousness. If we think that we're in sin and we're constantly in sin, we're not going to go before God boldly. But when we confess our sin, what happens? The water of the, wa- the, water of the Word washes over us and cleanses us, and it washes away every, every uh, trace of sin, every trace of unrighteousness, and that robe is still as righteous as it was the day that you got born again. So, so it's not that we become. It's not when we sin that we that we uh, have to keep asking for forgiveness to get re-righteous again, or become to become righteous again. But it's that 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 we confess and we and we change our mind, we renew our mind, and we 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 repent, so that so that so that our own mind and our own consciousness will be will be clean to where we can go before God boldly. Amen. So sin stains your robe, but it doesn't destroy it. It cleanses it. It does, you know, it does not redeem us again. Redemption was was, you know, the Bible says he died for sin one one time. Once and for all, he died for sin. 
Now, now here's the key. Here's something that you have to understand. We don't always feel righteous, but we have to remember that we were made righteous by faith, not by feelings or not by works. Because how many of you know that that um, <clears throat> you know you might if, if you might wake up in the morning and not feel saved, not feel righteous, not feel holy, but you are. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean that you're not. You know that's I, I love that's what Smith Wigglesworth said that he he coined that phrase. He said you know or I guess he he's the first one that said I read it in his books, but he said you know I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. You know, I'm moved only by what the Word of God says. Amen. You know, and by what I believe about the Word. Amen. So it's through our confession of sin to God that we're cleansed that, of, of the, the stains, that, God, that, that's, the stains that, that sin puts on our robes. Now listen, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we will try to become righteous by doing something instead of receiving it by faith. What was given to us as a free gift, we will try to maintain by our own self-righteousness. So we, you, we have to understand that righteousness is a gift and that it's not by works. And, you know, to be honest with you, it takes a lot of mind renewing. It takes a lot of mind renewing to get our mind wrapped around the fact that God made us righteous and regardless of how we act, in His eyes, we are still righteous. It's the picture, of, it's the picture that we put up every Sunday morning of that cat looking in the mirror and seeing that lion in the mirror. Because we have to renew our mind to the fact that, that we're not just who we see in the natural. Our spirit man is perfect. Our spirit man is complete. The Bible says, the Bible says that we're God's masterpiece. I don't know how many of you look in the mirror and say, man, I am a masterpiece. You know, one time you may have said that, but, but sometimes, you know, we look in there and say, boy, that masterpiece has got a few stains on it right now. You know, is, is drooped a little bit and sagged a little bit and and you know but but in God's eyes in God's eyes in the natural in the na- I mean in the spirit we are His masterpiece and then see it's up to you and I it's up to us to get to get our our uh, flesh in line with our spirit we have to make the choices we have to make the decisions it's not up to God to do that for us now thank God He helps us. But we have to renew our mind. We have to get in the Word and to see what the Word says and see ourselves in the Word and, and convince ourselves that we are who the Word says we are. That we are righteous. That we are, that, that we are who He says we are. So through Jesus, these last two statements, through Jesus, the Father has done a new thing in us. Has done a new thing in us. He clothed us in His righteousness notified all heaven and hell that we belong to Him. He empowered us with His authority to reign in victory and to enjoy the best in life. Now listen, the devil can't do a thing about it. You realize that the only power the enemy has is what we give him. The devil can't make you sin. The devil can't... He can't put something on you that you you, uh, don't have the authority and the, the ability and the strength to cast off. Now, a lot of people, you know, most people, and I'll say most, most people give Satan way too much credit. And the more they talk about him, you know, the, the stronger he gets. It's like that story Brother, <laughs> Brother Hagin tells 
about, I read this just the other day in the Believer's Authority. I was rereading that book. And he said, he said, uh, he went to this minister's conference and, and he was talking to this guy, this other minister. And he asked Brother Hagin, he said, how you, how you doing, Brother Hagin? Brother Hagin said, man, I'm doing great. And Brother Hagin asked him, he said, how you doing? He said, he said, I got the devil on the run. And Brother Hagin said, well, that's great. So that's good news. And the guy said, the only problem is, says, says he's after me though. He said, he's chasing me. And you know, Brother Hagin said, Brother Hagin said, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Brother Hagin had that dream. Uh, he had the dream where uh, one night he was, he, he, after he had been healed, he was ministering. And uh, he was sleeping one night. And he woke up and had, had, you know, real serious heart symptoms like it was when he was a kid. And he said, the devil kept telling him, you're going to die. You know, I'm going I'm to kill you this time. I'm going to die. And he and Brother Hagin had that vision where he saw he saw himself running like in a it was like in one of those uh, old Roman arenas and he was he was down in the in the arena and he was running and he looked behind him and a, and lions were chasing him two lions were chasing him and he said he was running as fast as he could and he and he said they kept gaining and gaining he knew he wasn't going to get to the to the stands in time and he said he said all of a sudden the Lord just told him he said stop and take your authority. So Brother Hagin just stopped and looked at him and said, No, you know, you will not in the name of Jesus. And said those lions come up and said they were ferocious. You know, they were, they were growling and, and howling, whatever they do. And, and so they came up and said when he, when he took his authority, so they just stopped and just started purring like a little cat and just sniffed around him and then just turned around and trotted right off. But see, if he had kept running, then guess what? Those lions would have jumped on him and probably devoured him. But he saw, he saw, he said at that moment he realized the authority that God had, has given his sons and daughters. And it's because he's made us righteous. He's given us authority. He's, he, the Bible says he's handed us the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You know, Jesus came out of hell with them. He said, I've got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Death, hell, and the grave. Now you go in that authority. And see, when you have the key to something... You can you can get in and out of it as much as you want to. I can give you you know I can give you my keys, and and I can give you this key right here, and I can give that to you and say now you can go drive my car off you know out there, but guess what? You can fit this in every car out in the parking lot, but this key ain't gonna do you no good. You know why? Because my truck's at home. My truck's not in the parking lot. Now if you get to my house, you could get into my my truck and drive off. But you know what? If you got if you don't understand what key you have, you're not going to be able to drive off. But you see, if you understand the keys that God's given us, if you understand the authority He's given us, if you understand that you are righteous, you are righteous right now. You say, well, Pastor, what good does that do? What good that does is that it helps you overcome sin. It helps you overcome temptation. It helps you overcome the battles in life. You can stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So it's an honor to wear this robe. So let's never forget who we are in Him and the power that we possess. So remember that we are made righteous by faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross. It has nothing to do with you or your works. We're righteous because He made us righteous. Now, if we, if we do unrighteous things and we act unrighteous, that doesn't change the fact that we are righteous. God doesn't want any of us to do unrighteous things. But when we, and, and if we do, 
we have a way of cleansing our robe of righteousness. And it's by repentance. It's by, by, by agreeing with God that, that, you know, what He says in His Word versus what we're doing. And, but, but now listen, it, these are awesome things. These are awesome things to understand because, because it's not, if it was up to us to stay righteous or up to us to become righteous or, or up to us to, uh, to make sure that we, you know, that make sure that we stay righteous enough to get into heaven, well, we'd be in a, a world of hurt. Because even as he said there, we read that scripture where he said, he said, we've all sinned. We've all made a mess out of it. And you know what? And we still, a lot of people still continue to walk in those things. But we don't have to. Why? Because you are the righteousness of God. He made you righteous. Not by your own works, but because he made you righteous. Amen? Amen. All right. Any questions? Did I confuse you with anything? Good? Everybody good? Amen. Thank, aren't you glad you're righteous tonight? Amen. Aren't you glad that, that we know that it's not, up to, it's not because of our works, but it's because of what He did? It's a gift. It's, now listen, and let, let me just say this too. You realize that, that really the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, a lot of times we talk about the gospel is the good, and it is the good news. Um, and a lot of times we think the gospel is about salvation. But, you know, even the patriarchs of old had, a, had, a, had the vision of going to heaven. You know, they talked about a heavenly home, just like we talk about a heavenly home. So the gospel is not necessarily about just salvation going to heaven. It's the good news that, you know what, that we can live. One thing that, one thing that, the, uh, that the patriarchs in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament uh, prophets and, and people, they, they didn't quite understand. We talk a lot about this about the Holy Spirit. But they, you know, the whole concept about God making us righteous, about us being righteous all the time and being, being, you know, having God live on the inside of us, that was so much of a mystery to them that they, they couldn't understand that. Because in the Old Covenant, you know, they were, they were, they were not righteous by faith. How, the only way they could be back in right standing was, with God was through sacrifice. They had to offer sacrifices to be righteous with God. And now here, they were prophesying about a time, Isaiah, talking about how God would clothe us with a robe of righteousness. Man, I mean, these, you know, sometimes I just, I read some of the, the things that the Old Covenant people, the Old Covenant patriarchs, um, the Old Testament patriarchs wrote. And I'm just thinking, what, what were they thinking when they wrote that? How, how they must have thought, what in the world does that mean? You know, how, how is that going to happen? But yet here you and I are living in that day that they prophesied about. We are smack dab in the gospel. We think, we think well, sometimes the gospel is complete and here's the gospel. But guess what? We're living in the good news. You know, you know what the good news is? He made you righteous. He made you righteous. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. He made you righteous. That is, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. Amen. Thank, thank the Lord for that. And, and we need to rejoice and need to thank Him for that. Amen. Amen. All right, hey, let's do this. Um, can we all just uh, pray for Tanya and as, she, as she's going to be going and, and having this uh, great encounter?